But the only problem was now they've taken me outside, put me in the back of a police car, and then now we're driving and I see a big sign, East LA, East LA Jail. Oh. oh, no, this isn't good. Big time, What's up and welcome back to Involuntary Yoga. I'm psyched about this episode. I knew with uh, the bare knuckle card coming up here in Denver and then 1FC that there's going to be a ton of people coming to town. And I'm honored to have Mr. John Wayne Parr here, who's one of my favorite Muay Thai fighters of all time. Hey. He's a legend in the sport. And then we got Reese McLaren, who's fighting here on the 1FC card. It's 1FC's first American show. And that's what's the date on that? Uh, the 5th. The fifth. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, so I think it's sold out, but you can catch it on what, Amazon Prime? Amazon Prime, yep. Yeah, I'm still going to try to get tickets. Hey, Where is the fight? It's at the First, First Bank, Bank Center. Yeah. And it's sold out already? Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, so thank you guys for coming, man. All the way from Australia. Hey. <laughs> Let's go. Does the podcast come with subtitles with their accents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Put it down the bottom there first. I know. We were talking in the car on it's the, the way here. It's the best accent in the world, in my opinion. <laughs> I know. I was. We were talking in the car on the way here, and I was like, what? What did you say? Afternoon or? Avi. 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 I was like, what? He's like, <laughs> afternoon. You just shorten it. We don't have time for those long words. Yeah. <laughs> time or is it like a lazy thing in Australia? Oh, it's just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, relax. We're the lazy ones here, okay? <laughs> what are four words in Australia that you would say there that we don't have any idea about? Avi's one of them. What's another one? Avi. Sheila. Sheila. Is that like a woman? A woman. Okay. Um, Shagging. Shagging, fucking, yeah. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm three for three. Uh, what's another one? Yeah, I'm on the spot. Ah, cunt. You use <laughs> yeah, you guys use cunt we'll, a lot. We'll, we'll use it as a as a uh, mannerism for friendship. You fucking cunt. That's for your buddy. That's what you call your buddy. Yeah, actually, I gotta ask you about this because I, I haven't gotten to talk to any Australians about this. But when I was in uh, what is it, Melbourne? Melbourne is how they say, it, right? Or maybe it was Sydney. Um, it was after my fight, I went out to a club and I was with a bunch of friends who we were partying and these guys that were at the fight, they were just like buying drinks all night. Like we were getting hammered and one of them comes up to me and he like slapped me in the chest. Uh, which, which, um, of your bills of money is red? Uh, 20. 20? Yeah, 20. yeah. Well, he slapped me on the chest with a 20 and he's like, you just got red backed and they were all laughing, but like gave me the 20 and they called it red backed. And I was like. I looked at him like, well, shit, do it again. Like, oh, yeah. like, I didn't get it, but it was like some inside joke. I don't know if it was an Australian joke or yeah, what. Yeah, I don't know. I heard that one. They were like dying laughing. I, yeah, I was like opening my pocket. Yeah. I'm like, do it more. Well, yeah. <laughs> so you're shit. a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> that was my stripping days in Australia. Yeah. Chris's OnlyFans. Uh, shout it out, buddy. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> yeah. hey, some, someone's got to work that corner store, right? Hey, it's my main sponsor right there. Um but no, so you got this big fight. You guys were telling me in the car, um, this is a title contender fight for 1FC, right? Uh, pretty much. Um, that's the way we're looking at it. Nice. Maddie, will you pull that up? You told me your opponent's and name. And this is, they, uh, so, Muay Thai fight no, kickboxing. No, no, no. no his no, is MMA. MMA. Oh, dope. So, Reese is currently number four, and then the gentleman he's fighting is number two. And will you tell people who, is 1FC more of an overseas promotion, or is it? Asian. Yeah, Asian. Very, very East. Yeah, so, so Singapore, uh, 
uh, uh, Philippine, Malaysia. Uh, they've been trying to Japan. Yeah. And before we get into the clip, how does it compare to UFC and Bellator? Is it is it uh, and are they are they part of the world rankings or no? You're still at the knee and the head in in one one championship. Oh, their yeah. rules are awesome. So, soccer kicks were only ass place like illegal maybe four or something years ago. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, I'm one of the only like sole survivors to come back from one. Wow, so, you got soccer kicked I, uh, twice. Twice I got kicked. in the same fight. I twice, but I only remember one. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. You remember one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> so how does it how does it compare like to UFC? Is is it uh, is there a lot of huge talent in the in one FC? Is there massive? Well, well now they've they've uh, they've gone. They went from MMA corporation to multiple martial arts. So not only do they do the MMA, but now we have uh, cage Muay Thai, uh, cage kickboxing. Uh, uh, submission grappling. Yeah, they got um, grappling on there as well. Yeah, mm. the grappling is really cool. And when he says uh, cage Muay Thai, so he actually started this sport. So it's Muay Thai with MMA gloves on. So elbows, knees, all that, and just then, minus the big gloves. And then if you happen to get dropped in the round, you get an eight count. So the fight's not over straight away. So you get mm. an eight count. So you got time to recover. You can still come back. You can still win. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's pretty much Muay Thai except for in a cage. And then uh, when I was researching, uh, I looked on YouTube and there's a few guys doing uh, K1 rules in the cage with big gloves. Thought, uh, how am I supposed to get respect from the MMA crowd if I'm wearing big gloves? I've got to wear the little ones if they want to, if I want to try and make it the same environment and the same skill set. But um, yeah, so when we did our first show, I was so nervous <laughs> thinking uh, just complete striking. Hopefully no one dies. And uh, luckily, <laughs> luckily no one did. And it was, um, yeah, this, from the first fight to the last fight was so exciting just because the, cause everyone knows they're wearing the small gloves. Every punch is a potential knockout punch. Uh. So every single person is just going for it. And, you know, and um, just the. Did you see people's strategy change? Uh, more violence, more more engaging, um, just because they knew they were one punch away from winning. Yeah. So And then sometimes the guys that aren't at a high level, uh, technique wise, but they made up for it with their tenacity. Mm. So it was really, it was really exciting. What did you think about the the plum, like the tie clinch? Oh, fingers! With, All of a sudden, yeah. they got fingers. Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't have your glove now. You can yeah. like grab. Yeah, you can manipulate the guard to pull down the hands for elbows and catch kicks a lot easier. And catch teeps. Um, yeah, it really changed the game. But I also noticed a lot more holes. So when you wear the big gloves, you can cover your face, and, uh. and then uh, but the MMA gloves. All of a sudden, your hooks and everything's. Oh no, this isn't cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Oddly, wow. oddly enough, even uh, training for bare knuckle, it's even different with the oh. MMA gloves and barehanded. Like I don't think you can sit there as much and defend. Mm. We're more, we're working more like head movement and stuff because even I don't know. Just it seems like even that four ounce glove still has a bit of yeah, yep. padding that you can stop. So it is different. Like you change your strategy and I think. Yeah, I don't know. I bet I bet you loved the clinch with the hands. Did that take some getting used to? Or uh, yes, um, and then the MMA gloves are hard to train for as well because you you do one pad session and your fingers just all ripped up and then it just hurts. Yeah, so, you're better yeah. off just doing pads and big gloves. Big gloves. Yeah, I yeah I don't ever. I mean, I hit pads now barehanded, but even with MMA gloves, I never did it. I was like, man, that hurts. Yeah, <laughs> and now I'm doing it with no gloves. <laughs> So but, so for so for me, are you are you fighting in this event? Or are you coaching? Coaching. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I retired last April. 
Last April. Yeah, four, four, one. And, and how old are you? I should know, but how old are you? Uh, 46. 46. You just retired last Reti- April. Retired at 45. Wow. Yeah, I was looking up your record before you guys came Is in. Is it like 210? Uh, 149. <laughs> <laughs> Is it 149? Yeah. Oh, man, you got to update your Wikipedia page. Yeah. It had you at like 99 wins and oh, It's just pro losses. fights, right? Uh, and then uh, 135 Muay Thai and 14 pro boxing. Jesus. You're a busy guy. Yeah. How many how many times a year is that? Uh, oh, it depends. My most I've had in one year was nine fights in one year. Nine in a year. That was back in Thailand days in '97. Yeah, because those guys over there are fighting like yeah, so every other weekend sometimes, your right? Your prize money is just enough to survive from fight to fight. So the more you fight, the more you're comfortable. So you might only make a thousand a fight, and then um, even at the yeah. top level in in so, Thailand. So you make a thousand, and then you got to give fifty percent to the camp. So technically, you're only making five hundred. Wow. But yeah. but at that level in Thailand, you're kind of a god, right? You get everything else kind of given to you, or no? Uh, so the deal with my camp was, uh, I train twice a day. Uh, they give me free accommodation, two meals a day, and then after I fight, I I give them fifty percent, mm. and then, and then uh, you're pretty much their property. And then majority of people have to change their last name to the name of the camp. So, wow! And and then uh, like legally change their name. Not not legally, but you're represented every time you hop into the ring. You're known as that that gym. Mm. And then um, if you want to change gyms, um, someone has to buy the rights off the other person. So let's say I'm um, John Wayne Kmart, and then Target wants to come along. So they'll offer my manager will give you a, a million baht to change John Wayne from Kmart to Target. And you don't get any of that. I don't get nothing. Fuck. Because they, 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 they brought me up. Um, they, they made me who I am. So without without them, I wouldn't be who I am. So they get the money. Yeah. It's brutal. Hey, Chris, you're, you're, I'm hijacking this a bit so you can stop oh, me no, if you good. want. So you're pretty can, much you, can you tell owned. us the origin for you? Because I don't think a lot of U.S. listeners, Chris and I talk about this a lot when we're having beer somewhere and shooting the shit about how much respect we have for Thailand and, and, and the sport and, you know, how intensely uh, they take it over there, et cetera, et cetera. What was the origin story for you in – Muay Thai moving to Thailand, like how did it start? Yep, so I had uh, 13 uh, fights in Australia. Um, started at uh, age of 14. Oh, I started fighting at 14. Uh, had about 13 fights, won an Australian title, won a South Pacific title. And then I, I was sponsored by a Thai restaurant. And then I, I, I had a really hard fight winning the South Pacific. I got dropped in the second with the leg kick. Um, ended up coming back and knocking the guy out with 30 seconds to go on the fifth. And then I uh, went to the restaurant the next day to, to take the belt and share my sponsor. We did it. We did it. We got, we got the belt. And then um, the his name's Richard. Richard sat me down. And I said, oh, look, last night you did. You showed a lot of heart. I think you have potential to go all the way if you want to go. How would you like to go to Thailand and learn from the best? I said, oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be so cool. I said, I'll tell you what I do. If you can organize your passport, I'll do the rest. So I went to the post office, did my application. Passport comes a couple of days later. Go down to Richard. Hey, Richard, my passport came. He grabs me by the wrist, leads me down to the street to the travel agent. I want a, a one six-month ticket, please, for um, open ticket. So then, um, yeah, he organized everything. So then I jumped on the plane. And, then, and did uh, you know what you were getting into? Like, what did, like at the time, you're training from 14 on. And how old were you once you went to Thailand? Uh, 19. 19. So you have five years now. And do you know the mythology of Thailand before you go? Or was it just an exciting opportunity for an 18-year-old kid? You're like, Bangkok's not far. Yeah. This could be a blast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you know what you were getting into? Oh, at 19, I really wanted the Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to see that shower scene later. <laughs> uh, I, I, back in the old days was the VHS tapes. Uh-huh. And you used to watch all the, these guys training in camps and running together as teams down the road and cheap shorts and <laughs> kicking pads. And it's like, oh, man, that was, that was the dream. And then the opportunity came and um, – 
And real quick, John, you didn't like footy. Like I played, I played rugby in college. Did you? Were you interested in any other sports in Australia? Just, just fighting. Yeah. No, then uh, what's the saying? No plan B. <laughs> I, I had to make this. This was my my dream from uh, four years old. I always wanted to be a martial artist. And I, uh, once I started, I, I remember at thirteen years old, I came home from training one day, and then mum was in bed, about to go to sleep. Oh, mum had the best session. Had some sparring. I got to spar some adults. I think we're gonna be a world champion. And she starts laughing. And then it just pissed me off. So I held, <laughs> she laughed. Yeah. It's like, I, and then I had it, held it as a grudge. It's like, I'm going to show you. Inside, I'm thinking, I'm going to show you. And then um, at the age of 24, I finally won my first world title. And then I ring mum. I, I told you I'd do it. And she goes, what are you talking about? Remember when I was 13? I have no idea what you had. So, yeah, <laughs> she, she, yeah, so yeah, it's crazy. That was, so that was, so you get on this plane. You're going to, you're, going, you're by yourself, 19. Yes. First time leaving home. Yes. And you're going to Thailand to train with a bunch of fucking savages. Yeah. And then my Richard, the the sponsor, he said, you have to promise me you're going to stay six months. Um, if you go two weeks a month, you train a bit, you come home and you forget it all. But if you stay six months, hopefully you'll create muscle memory. So you, you'll get a better understanding of the sport. And, you'll and what was Richard's advantage to sponsoring you? Like why? Uh, he was Thai. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's Thai, and then he moved to Australia, and he had a passion for Thai. Uh, Thai, and every time the Thai team would come to Australia to compete, he'd always look after the Thai teams, and uh. I'd go and hang out with the Thais. And oh, that's cool. It was just um, it was, and just the the culture. The, uh, so Richard used to prepare all the food in the kitchen, and I'd sit in the kitchen and just listen to stories of this faraway place where the main sport was Muay Thai, and uh, people trained hours and hours and hours on end every day, and it just seemed like the um, just the perfect place to. To, to become somebody and then he gave me the opportunity to go and live that dream so um and yeah when i arrived uh, i stayed at a gym called Sigitong the first start off with and which was really cool um but they had a lot of westerners that were there and not many camps accepted westerners at the time um they they treat us like the enemy they, they didn't want to teach us uh, their secrets because they thought that once we get to a certain level we'll start beating them at their own sport and that was the last thing they wanted because they have so much um pride in their mm, heritage yeah and then um, once they started, a, a re- oh sorry, uh, nineteen oh that was in nineteen ninety six. In nineteen ninety eight, the Thai economy crashed, and uh, everyone was poor and money was scarce and there was no fights. And so let's say someone's prize money was two hundred thousand baht. Now their prize money was reduced to say thirty thousand baht, which oh, is what so, US uh, say ten grand to fifteen hundred. Wow. So all the superstars retired. They're like, well, am I going to risk my life and everything else and train all these hours a day for change? So, um, uh, and then um, then the camp started realizing, hey, if we had let foreigners come and train, we can start making, um, charging them monthly fees and we can still survive and still put food on the table for the for the other Thai fighters. So then, then all of a sudden the, the wave of Westerners started coming through and um, the el- el- uh, evolution of the sport started growing and yeah. started, yeah, it was really cool. I was just going to say, you think that that really helped build it even oh, more? Definitely, definitely. And then um, when I first got there in 96, there was only a handful of Westerners that had become somebody like Deckers, Danny Bill, um, yeah, hard, hardly anybody, Raymond, uh, Rob Carmen. And then, um, yeah, and then I was the first Aussie that they'd never heard of an Australian. Do, do Australians even know what Muay Thai is? <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess <laughs> I'm here. I am, and you guys aren't even that far away. <laughs> yeah, so it was um, very much culture shock. Being in a country that doesn't speak English too was like, oh shit. And then um, you can only do hand signals for so many hungry, <laughs> yeah, shy, yeah, sleepy, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I've got to learn the language. Um, so that was the, the not only being in Thailand to, to learn the sport, but to learn a different culture was um, 
one of my proudest moments to be able to speak another language now and to, um, to we didn't have any furniture so every meal you have to sit on the floor with your legs crossed with a place plate of rice uh, on the ground and uh, no toilet, no toilet paper. Yeah, so we'd have to squat over the um, the porcelain hole in the, on the ground and um, use water in your hand to wipe your bottom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's like that. In, it's like that in India. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And then, um, yeah, we train three and a half, uh, three hours in the morning, three and a half hours in the afternoon. Uh, pretty much most times six days a week, but every now and again the trainer will go, "Oh, let's, we'll train seven days a week for three months," and then no, having no days off was just killer. Just you need uh, that one day just to let the body refresh. But when you're going, when you train Sunday and then Monday comes, knowing that you got another whole week ahead of you, it was just. There's uh, certain people listening to this who are going to go, I can't even train for 30 yeah. minutes a day, six <laughs> yeah. hours a day. Yeah, and then uh, and just like was it hard sparring or just drills or uh, all of it? Every day you're expected to train harder than yesterday, so it's hard. It's tough. And wow. Then, and then uh, and you're the only Westerner in. in I wasn't only the Westerner in the camp. I was the only Westerner in my whole city. So I'd go months at, months at a time without seeing another white person. But did you feel lonely? Did it when you first got there? Did you feel like fuck? I fucked up. This is bad. Oh no, I, I didn't want to come home. Really? Um, yeah, because I was special. Because I was the white guy. And then you go to the shops and everyone's doing this. They start pointing pointing at you, and um, <laughs> you're you're the freak. And then uh, then you fight on TV and win. And then all the tires, you'd run down the road now, I was flashing their lights and beeping their horn and waving wow. at you. And then you start making the covers of the magazines and you start, um, yeah, you start becoming somebody. And then when you lose, um, they'd come out in the street and not in bad intention, but they have a bitch, oh, I lost, my, I bet on you, you lose my money. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just funny, just, just, just cool, just accepted. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel like when you went there being the only um – White person, everything. Like, did they run you through the ringer? Like, do you think they were rougher on you? Tougher on you? Uh, no. It, it was sort of weird. So what happened was um, I had uh, my first fight in a little stadium, and then I won that one. Then I had a second fight in a little stadium. And then every time I'd fight, I'd go to uh, Padia, which is a, um, a tourist place three hours away. So I'd jump on a bus, spend seven days being a Westerner, speaking English, have a hamburger. And then when I go back to Bangkok, I'd be a Thai again. And then, um, so we went to Padia, um, and then when I come back again, everyone had run away. So uh, one of the guys that was um, not the superstar, but the probably the second biggest star in the gym, um, they have a lot of mafia involvement in the, in the fighting. So the mafia might come and let's say you're making a thousand. When you say mafia, you mean Thai mafia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's say you're making a thousand thousand a fight. I'll come up to you and say I'll pay you five thousand. So happened to fall down in the second paps. Yeah. And then, and then, um, do you ever take one of those deals? I, I never got offered. But, Would um, you have taken a deal? No, no. Cause, cause that fights are so hard as it is, it's hard enough winning by itself, let alone pull, uh, throwing a fight. But, yeah. um, and plus I wanted, I wanted to be a star. I didn't want to throw him where every fight matters. Uh, especially in Thailand, every time you win, your prize money goes up and every time you lose, it goes down again. So uh. you really want to try and pump up the wins. Was there any repercussions for people that did say no to them? Uh, oh, not so much. So the superstar of my gym, Seng Tenoy, he got offered a million baht to throw throw a fight once, and he and he said no, I, I can't do it. Um, and then he lost for real. It's like oh, <laughs> I should have taken it. I should have taken it. Fuck. He's so, like, I didn't want to tell you guys. <laughs> you know, I wanted it to be a secret. Yeah. So so going back to the story, the um, this kid ended up having all his money and started having nice clothes, and the owner of the camp's like, where are you getting this money from? This is something's going on. If I find out that you're going to throw this fight, um, you're going to wish. Bad things might happen to you. Yeah. So, um, so in the middle of the night, he's convinced all the other fighters to run away. 
So I've gone on holidays. I've come back a week later and then it was a ghost town. So there was only the owner of the gym, his sons, which were the trainers as well, and the superstar of the camp. So now the superstar had no one to spar, had no one to clinch, no one to box spar with. So I was the only other person. So all of a sudden I was thrown from in, into the deep end. Um, and and Sangten Noi, was, he was the guy, he was probably the number one guy in Thailand at the time fighting Deckers and Danny Bills and he was the face of Thailand. Every time a Westerner started showing promising, Sangten Noi would come in and get the reputation of Thailand back. So I'd, I'd have to be Sangten Noi's... Um, as an example, one time, so every time we box bar, we'd wear eighteen ounce gloves. And then, um, Why? Uh, Why so big? Because uh, I discovered thirty seconds into the first round, I'm going tap 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 tap, tap and the same thing just drops his hands. He goes, "If you don't go hundred percent, get out." Uh, we're, <laughs> we're we're sparring. We're just playing. We're the go out. So so every time we spar, I'm I'm sparring like the greatest fighter in Thailand, and I over try and survive, let alone go hard. So um, yeah, so you need the eighteens, and as soon as you do five. Five five rounds, then straight onto the pad straight after. So it was just death. And then I have to clinch him every, half an hour every single day as well. So then um, getting thrown down every 15, 20 seconds, get back up, thrown down again, get back up. And then eventually you start working out. They don't tell you what you're doing wrong either. You got to learn all by, by yourself <laughs> as well. So um, then I got, got to the stage where I could start holding my own and I'd get him down every now and again as well. And then um, I love that there's no coaching. Like, just yeah. figure it the fuck out. They, they throw you down and stand <laughs> over the top of you and they wait for you to get up and grab you and throw you down. Reese, has camp been the same for you? Does he just, do they throw you around and not tell you anything? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's You'll crazy, eh? Yeah. So, so no feedback. They just, it's throw you into the deep, yeah, figure it the fuck out. Pretty much, yeah. And then, um, so I was very fortunate. Uh, through that training, I won my first nine fight straight. In th- first nine fight straight. And then I started, started showing lots of promise. And then uh, they uh, one day we're watching the TV. Everyone's in the gym. We're watching the TV on the on the weekend, and the commentators are talking about a fight coming up soon. We've got uh, such and such fighting the main event. We got this guy, this guy. Oh, and John Wayne's going to be fighting Orono. And then the whole camp stops and look at me, and I'm, and I'm like, "What's going on?" <laughs> so you're going to fight Orono? I had no idea what Orono was at that stage either. I was like, oh, "I don't know. I've had nine fights. I've nine wins. I don't care. Bring it on." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't understand. You're fighting Orono. Oh, okay, sure. And then, um, what would be the equivalent today? Is that like fighting Mike Tyson? Is it like, yeah, yeah Mike Tyson with the bites? <laughs> with the bites. So, uh, the one with the bites, Sang Tan and Ford already fought Orono like maybe five or six times, and like he was like the, the star. And uh, and you didn't know, I had no you idea. found out from the TV, yeah. So, he was he was my first loss. He uh, he cut me 21 stitches, and the fight got stopped in the third from too much blood and everything. Elbow, and then uh, that was 97. And then I got to rematch him um, the year 2000. And then I ended up beating him for his world title in front of 100,000 people live on Thai TV in Bangkok. Wow. wow. So it was like the ultimate. Um, it was like uh, uh, Israel in Pereira. You, lo- you lose, then you got to face your demon and fight him again. Except for, I didn't know I was going to fight him until the weigh-in. I was supposed to fight an orthodox fighter, an orthodox <laughs> Thai. And I got to the weigh-in. And then Song Chai, the promoter, is like, oh, the guy you're supposed to fight is a little bit too light. So... Masato is supposed to fight Orono, but he's Masato's worried Orono has hepatitis, so he doesn't want to fight him now. So tomorrow you're going to fight Orono instead. <laughs> so I was, I was training for Orthodox, and now I'm going to fight a Southpaw on 24 Wait, hours. Wait, hold on. He yeah, yeah. already had a hepatitis. Oh, he was, yeah, just a little hepatitis thing. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Did he have hepatitis? I didn't ask. <laughs> all, all, all I heard was world title. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. Fucking. I'm in. And then um, I ended up owning him for five rounds. I, I smashed him. And then um, I ended up. Winning, be, uh, getting his belt. 
And then um, with over there, the, the fights are free. So the, every year they celebrate the king's birthday. So 100,000 people come to this park in front of the, the big temples in Bangkok. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Kickboxer? Yes. Yeah. You know at the start of the movie where they're holding pads and, hey, you don't win fights with that tip that shit. Yeah. That's the park I fought in. Wow. That's the park I, I beat Orion awesome. for his world title in. That's crazy. So crazy. That's so, dope. So cool. It's really cool. Yeah, because the king, <laughs> the king's birthday is like the biggest honor biggest, to fight on, right? The biggest, the biggest. Yes. We had uh, Dorian Price on. I don't know if you know him um, last week. And he was talking about he got to fight on one of those oh, two. Nice. And uh, yeah, he was saying that's like the you've made it or like you're that's the biggest honor is to be able they, to do they, that. They usually have the, the best Westerners versus the best ties as a, as an appreciation to, to celebrate. So you rock up to the park and usually have to park the car half an hour away. And you got to sh shimmy through a hundred thousand people to get to the even chamber. as a fighter. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, the first time I did it, I had to get a police escort from the change room to, oh, it's not even change room. It's a, it's a, a marquee with um, a little bit of string around to keep the, the fans away. So there'd be like 20 people deep, 40 degree heat, um, doing pads on dirt. Uh, <laughs> wow. And then you got tie all on and all the dirt sticking to your skin. And just, and then you got to get a police escort to walk through the 100,000 people to get to the ring. Just so you don't get mobbed? Oh, more so to make it faster because uh. otherwise people don't want to move. But you've got police there, they sort of help get out of the way. Yeah, hectic. But then, then they built. Uh, that was ninety seven. Then ninety eight, they built a big uh, walkway into the from the change room to the ring, made it a lot easier. So you rock up to the camp. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. You rock up to to the park. Um, you walk through. They have like all the fireworks celebration. Then everyone gets a yellow candle for the king's colors, and everyone sings a happy birthday to the king. Then they sing the Thai national anthem. And then, and then the festivities start. So you might have the boxing in the middle. You've got um, dancing over here. You've got a cabaret show over here. You've got something over. So it's a massive celebration just for the king. Wow. Man, my birthdays suck. <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> I didn't do shit for my birthday. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even go to dinner. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, and all thousand the, people. And then the king, um, all he does is do a, a drive-by. And everyone lines the road and everyone like waves the flag. And he drives past slowly and he waves the people. like like. It's, uh, and then if you get the scene... That's like the that's it for the you got good karma for the year then because you got to drive, watch him drive past. Wow, yeah. such a cool culture. Yeah, it's a cool culture. So superstitious, like how, how superstitious is yeah. that culture? So you can't talk about the Thai family, uh, the, the the royal family. So if there's a a, a, a note on the ground and the king's face is on, up and you step on it, um, the Thais have the right to punch you in the face and like like bash bash <laughs> you. He's still on the king's face. Wow. I was supposed to do. He's killing still on the king. Do you think some of those things were built in place to keep the mystery of the monarchy? Yeah, if you, and then if you talk bad about it, you can get arrested and get time in jail. Oh shit! And, oh, it's full. Really? Of, oh, big time. And every every night at six o'clock, um, every single uh, TV station will spend five minutes on what the royal family did today. Every single station, um, it's just part that's of wild. Part and you don't culture. you don't have to say because maybe you still go back there. But are they actually? Like, is the royal family actually loved there? Or oh, is yeah, it, like, fake? No, no, it's full on. It's so good. Everyone, yeah. ha everyone has um, pictures of the royal family in their houses. and I didn't uh, know if it was, like, North Korea where they, like, oh, have no. to do that. If you're not crying hard enough, we're going to kill you. The, right. the, the last king that I was fighting for, he was the man. He, um, he did so much for the country and built farming and helped uh, 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 the watering, the, the building dams and just did everything right. And then that, now the new king, um, he's... Uh, not quite as respected as the old king, but um, I'm sure he'll get there eventually. But um, yeah, it takes takes a little time to get the respect from the yeah yeah the people. So I have a question about Thai camps when you when you're fighting. You said two meals a day, which clearly wouldn't be enough for me. Yeah, I'm 285. I need like <laughs> yeah. 
5,000 calories. I need, yeah. I need 5,000 calories before noon to function. Uh, did you guys, is it strict? Do you get to see girls? Is it, is it, were you sleeping on the floor? Is yeah. it, it's so basically like bare existence. Um, yeah. So you sleeping outside, like, what? and then you sleep beside all the fighters too. So is it called the boxers room? So you have like 10 different dudes side by side. And then I just, was that room. horrible? It uh, sounds like a concentration camp. <laughs> no, good. Yes. It's just, it just, it is. There's no ifs or buts. Just Did you have trouble sleeping in the beginning? Like I'd be a mess in the beginning. <laughs> uh, ghosts. So, um, uh, we had a pole in the room and, uh, so when I got introduced to the ramp, all right, this is where we're going to sleep. So I tried to sleep next to the wall. So then I have one person beside me instead of two. Smart, strategic. And then, <laughs> then there's a pole in the room and it had all these ribbons around it and all this powder. And, um, so the first night I put my feet on it and then the tires, one of the tires jumped up and he's jumped across the room and pushed my feet off the pole and said, oh, there's a ghost that lives in that pole. You have to respect it. I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that night I'd gone to sleep. And then in my dreams, um, I dreamt I was in a shopping center and there was a, a, a presence of a lady with big robes floating behind me. And um, uh, in my dream, I can remember the, the, like the spirit saying, um, believe, believe this is, this is real. Um, this is Thailand, blah, blah, blah. And then the, the next night I was having a dream and I remember I was dreaming and there was a face in front of me and then the face just went woof, all the way through me and I woke up one of those ones where you go, oh, yeah. Oh. And then, um, then the third night was my first case of sleep paralysis. Oh man. I just like, bah! and I felt like this heavy presence on my chest and I couldn't move and I couldn't wake up and I was stuck and I was screaming and I was trying to wake the person beside me so they could wake me up. And, yeah. And I, was, I just felt like um, I wasn't there for eternity. And I finally woke up. And then the next day, next morning I woke up and I told the trainer, oh, man, I had the craziest dream last night. I felt like um, something, uh, I felt like I was, something's holding me down. He goes, oh, that's just the ghost. That's the ghost in the room. Um, that pole, there's a, there's a ghost that lives in that pole. So when, when you chop the trees down, all, uh, lots of spirits live in trees. So when you chop it down, the, the ghost comes with the trees. So that's why we decorate the pole for to keep her happy. We don't want to make it angry, so we we decorate it. We give her nice ribbons. We put um, perfume on it so she smells nice. And wow. we decorate <laughs> That's her. crazy. And then um, from that moment forward, I'd get held down in my sleep paralysis maybe four or five times a week for four years. Oh man, it was terrible. It, daytime, nighttime, it wouldn't matter. I'd be every time I go to sleep, I never know if that was the one where I get held down again. And um, it was Ugh. it was awful. <laughs> I'd be decorating that pole every day. After and that, then, but as soon as I came back to Australia, it never happened again. Really? Like I get held down wow. four or five times a week for four years, and so it just became normal. And then as soon as I got back to Australia, it stopped. So I don't. Did you apologize to the, the pole? Like, <laughs> oh, I was. Terrified. Did you talk to it? Like, I was will you stop? Terrified every night fuck. to go to sleep. I just please don't get me. Did you have anxiety me. like going to bed? Oh yeah, for sure. And then once you get hit you, and then you wake up, and then you still got another couple hours to go. It's like, oh, no, no I don't want to go back to this bed again. Fuck. But, um, Have you guys ever had sleep paralysis? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I had it once. Only once ever. It was the weirdest thing ever. I can't move. It's horrible. Like, it's terrifying. Yeah, I remember everything. I was trying to make noises, so I'd, like, wake up, kind of, like, snap out of it. But, yeah, just being, like, frozen, it's the weirdest thing. And then the tie said, if the ghost doesn't like you, he can hold his hand over your mouth and suffocate you in your sleep. Thanks, thanks, boys. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Can't wait. We wait, so so in the beginning though, like you, you, so you get to it's just a big room, and and you you have pads, you have blankets. Do you have and it's is it open air like everything in Thailand? Oh, no, uh, mosquitoes. It's a, it's a room with the mosquito nets in them because the nighttime the mosquitoes are so bad. I'm blown uh, away by this that there's like they just throw you in a room and they're like. 
Yeah. Go to bed. And then uh, with the shower, so there's no shower. It's like a big basin full of water with a plastic container on top. So every time you want to shower, you stand on the concrete, you use the plastic container to wet your body, you just lather up with the soap, and then you rinse the, the water off and it runs outside. And, um, and How then, bad did it smell so, in there? So you've got the blue container. So using that to wash the body, then using the same blue container to, to put water in your hand to wipe your bum, and then using the same blue container to pour water in your hand after you brush your teeth to wash your mouth out. And then you've got 10 different dudes using the same blue container to wash their butt, <laughs> wash their body, wash their teeth. And then... Um, yeah, Did you ever get sick in the beginning or like? Uh, yes. That's where the hepatitis came <laughs> from. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, I get diarrhea really bad three, four times a week. And then about two years later. And nobody cares, right? They're like, you're still training. No one gives a shit if you don't feel good. Yeah. You just, yeah. Just train harder. <laughs> and, and then, um, so we had, we had a Maddie. Fun. By the way, this is new. I'm I'm getting all this in, <laughs> intel so that I can run the company like this. <laughs> so Everyone's gonna, gonna sleep in the gym. <laughs> There's no more breaks. Work harder. I get it. I love this. It's time to flip the world of soda on its head. The new evolution is here, and it's called Fit Soda. Enjoy flavors like sparkling citrus, black cherry cola, orange cream, and root beer vanilla float. There's no guilt needed because Fit Soda is triple filtered, packed with aminos and electrolytes for hydration. Think it can't get any better? Every Fit Soda is sugar-free and absolutely zero calories. What are you waiting for? Pick up a Fit Soda. We had a, a filter on the tap, so every night we'd, we'd fill up all the plastic contain all the plastic bottles and put them in the fridge so we have cold water. And then a couple of years later, um, I was joking around about the water. I said, it's okay, we've got a filter. And all the tires start laughing. Oh, what's so funny? Oh, we haven't changed that filter for 20 years. So I was pretty much drinking um, straight Bangkok water, which is probably a, which probably is not a good idea. Which right. probably explains why. Um, you never get <laughs> sick anymore? Do you uh, ever I'm get sick? I'm good now. I was going to say your immune system is probably super strong now. Like, come on, COVID, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last week, like I said, we had Dorian on, and he was telling us um, he lived at one of the camps. I can't remember the name of it. One of the Bangkok ones. And he's like, my girlfriend came to visit, and she was from Australia. And what was he saying, Maddie? Like, she got there, and he's like, oh, you want to see my room? And he showed her, and he was like, yeah, do you want to stay here tonight? And he said she walked in there and was like, fuck that. Yeah. And, and he goes, she walked straight out, and, like, I don't, I don't think they talked again or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's like, moved to a love, to a love motel, motel where you rent by the hour or something. <laughs> he's like, she refused to sleep in there. And he's like, I don't understand why, but. So what is, so this is a really personal question, but I can't stop thinking about it. What did you do when you needed to, like, jerk off or, like, you, you like, like, how do you, how do you get private time? And, like, how do you fucking, was there any of that? Uh, long showers. <laughs> long, long. Okay. So you had, you had a way to get it, get it out. Yeah. But uh, every time I did the ties with next day, I'd be kicking pads. What'd you do last night? You chuck it, chuck it, chuck it. No so, way. Yesterday you were so strong, and then today you pew pew pew. <laughs> so last night you you sure you sure? I was like fuck. Oh no no no! But then I'm going, no. How do you know every single like time? every time every they time. would know every time it like was you can so feel bad. It. <laughs> no <laughs> shit. It was so de demoralizing. <laughs> Damn it! They found it again. <laughs> they knew every time. Every Sucks. single fucking time. That's insane. So are they big on, because I've been having this conversation with people like all week about like no sex before fights. Yes. Are they big on that? Because oh, I massive. don't believe in that. I'm massive. like, the old boxing coach. Chris jerks off eight times a day. It's We've had this talk a lot, like yeah. three times a day. I don't know yeah. how you do it. Yeah. Maybe it's not always jerking off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you come three times a day. 
Right? Why are you going to put me on blast? <laughs> my, my mom listens. It makes for good radio. You're just uh, a healthy boy exploring your options. Yeah. See, I don't I don't believe in that. Like, old boxing coaches are like, oh, it'll make your legs weak. I'm like, man, if, if that makes your legs weak, you got weak legs. Like Bodybuilders are the same. Because yep. every, think about every warrior throughout history, they would always fuck before battle. They didn't think they were coming back. If it was good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Yeah. That's a fair point. <laughs> fair point. Oh, man. Yeah, so... But hold on, you said long showers, but you said the shower is yeah, right there yeah. with the cup with everybody. <laughs> so yeah, it's rough. Like now. everybody turned around. You still, yeah, and you still close the door. You can still have privacy to shower. Oh. So um, yeah, it's very very interesting time. And then uh, when I had my fight, and I got seven days ago, rent a hotel and just be myself, and then be a westerner, and then come back to the camp. Say that again. So there were times when you like. Yeah, as soon as I have a fight, the next morning, I, at seven o'clock in the morning, I go to the bus station. I catch a bus for three hours, go to Patty, be a westerner for seven days. Oh, so you got to chill and have some like. Yeah, yeah. That's when you're talking about eating burgers and eating burgers and. Did you drink at the time? Or would you have beers uh, yeah, and like yeah? yeah, yeah. Dope. Uh, in camp, you'd be straight, and then um, for that seven days, you'd be wasted every every day for seven days. Once you hit the camp again, inspect to be in a tie. Yeah, so it should. Be. And and Reese, have you have you trained in time? Make sure you talk close. Yeah, yeah. no, nah, no, nah, I haven't. I've been um, a bit spoiled. I don't really feel like I need to go when I got this guy. Yeah. yeah. His gym's a little bit nicer, do you, though. Do you think training in Western culture is, like, weak in that sense, that, that they're not tough enough on people? Oh, it's just different. It's just um, back back then, uh, Muay Thai was still coming up, and, uh, and then Thais have been doing it for so many centuries that they were so good and so strong, and it was just a more so... I think being poor, being poor really makes you hungry. Yeah. And then when you have nothing, you have everything to strive for and you have nothing to lose. So, when you um, say that happened to McGregor, like he was yeah. hungry, gets a hundred mil. And then I wouldn't say he's fallen off. He's obviously great, but he has fallen off though. Like when he fought Poirier and you could tell he had taken that time, you could tell he just wasn't as sharp as Poirier anymore. Yeah. Just yeah. not hungry anymore. Um, cocaine. Yeah. Hell of a drug. <laughs> what were you, you saying, Reese? Co- cocaine. a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you see that with a lot of fighters. <laughs> you see that with a lot of fighters. You know, though, like once they start making money, they get like a little bit lazier. Yeah. I think it was Marvin Hagler that said it's hard to get get up and run at five a.m. when you sleep in silk pajamas. Yep. Is that? And there's three girls in your bed. Yeah. 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 I think I'm gonna stay in today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, just just to have a bed and just have a. a table and chair to sit at to have dinner and just um like poor of the poor and then i was borrowing money off the ties oh, i promise i'll pay you back after the next fight and the ties like oh, all right so you, i knew i was um, and you had a debt to pay so when you got your seven days did you just go ham was it like yeah I'd, uh, <laughs> yeah uh, sex drugs and rock and roll yeah. uh, uh Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And 19 years old as well. Fuck. Yeah. Thailand's got to be a blast to party in too, right? Cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then um, so so with the ladies in, in uh, Padia, so pretty much every girl's a, a working girl. Uh, so that you're a 19, fighter, fit, strong. <laughs> and then uh, you see them walk, all the girls and they, they're holding hands with some 70-year-old bald, fat, Westerner, me basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so, so, so when when they see a, a fighter, they, they, yeah, they, uh, hey, sexy man. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be a new button. That's got to be a new so button. You get, you get you get a bit of an ego boost, and you look around, and then they're calling the guy behind you, who's like the big fat guy. He's sexy too. I was like, hang on, I thought I was a sexy guy, and he's a sexy guy. So yeah, so now that that doesn't mean as much anymore. But, um, was yeah. your first experience with a working girl strange? Were you like, this is fucking wild? Um, 
No. <laughs> Uh, I grew up in Nevada where it was legal, so I feel like... Yeah, I, I lived in um, Vegas for three months back in 2002. Nice. And then get the click, click, click with the cards. <laughs> yeah. like, how, how nice are these people giving me these cards? Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> I know. My, my first time going to Vegas, like, you feel rude, you know? They shove them, so I, like, had a handful of them. <laughs> and then finally, you just start walking by, like, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I met my wife in Vegas. Um, the, they had a... Master Toddy used to have a gym in, in over there, and then I got invited to Master Toddy's to teach and train and fight out of his gym, and then um, she was a star of the gym. Uh, she was a multiple, she just won the uh, Amateur World Games in Thailand, and then uh, Inside Kung Fu Magazine uh, nominated her uh, Fighter of the Year in 2001. That's crazy. So, um, He's so, got a whole fighting family. Yeah. Is, uh, your daughter's fighting professionally now? Yes. Your wife? So she's had... 32 Muay Thai fights and three boxing. And she just won the, um, a small association war boxing title. I saw that, yeah. yeah so Congratulations your, to her. Your wife? Uh, my, my daughter. Oh, my, wow. my, 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 my wife's a two-time world champion. My daughter just won the world title in boxing. Um, my son's jiu-jitsu. He's number two, probably number two on his weight division belt. Yeah, killing it. He's yeah, doing, doing really well, and then um, my my little eight year old girl, she's also in the jits and got lots of gold medals as well. So really, does your son like uh, Muay Thai? Yes, uh, he he wants to get MMA. Oh, okay. But he can't do MMA until he's sixteen. He's, he's, he's only um fourteen at the moment. So oh, okay, like you can't compete until you're sixteen. Yeah. So all his aspirations is working on the mats for now, and then um soon he gets to sixteen, he'll start um, hopefully competing. That's awesome. Yeah, in your. Daughter, it's Jazzy, right? Jazzy, yes. Shout out to Jazzy yeah, Parr. Jazzy. She's been killing it, right? Yeah, she's I like, well. I like seeing your posts. You know, it's like ha. proud dad. He's like, my daughter won a world title or whatever. Like, you're always documenting ha. for her. It's cool. She um, she went to Thailand. I took her to Thailand when she was 15, and she stayed for two weeks. And then I uh, got over there, and the, I did one session. Then that night, uh, I got a, a leg infection. I got cellulitis in my leg. So then I ended up spending the next two weeks in um, Thailand hospital uh, antibiotics on the drip. And so she she kept training and um, competing. And, uh, uh, she had the opportunity to fight in a show in south of Thailand uh, in front of 10,000 people in, in another park. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, no, this is her first fight with her dad. She's, oh, I feel, feel so bad. She's going to be so lost. And then she won. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't need me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, got to, I got to watch it um, live on Thai TV from the hospital room. It was insane watching my daughter fight a, like a tie in front of all these ties and for her to com uh, compete and win. It was just like so, um, so amazing. Then she got to compete in England two times. Uh, won both of those. Uh, fought in Canada twice. Fought in England twice. Fought in Thailand three times. All that before the age of 18. So, um, yeah, so the martial arts is just a, such a crazy sport with so many opportunities to travel and um, make life experience and lifelong friends. And Yeah, I mean, that's why I've gotten to do most of my traveling was for fights. Yep. You know, um, <clears throat> your wife, was she on, it's Angie, right? Angie, yes. Was she on that reality show that Master Toddy had? Uh, no, she just, we just moved away. I just got deported just before that started. Oh, okay. It was called what? Deported? Fight, fight. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> So I was, I was living in Vegas, and then the the training. You got deported uh, from America. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I sorry. Um, so living in Vegas for three months, the gym wasn't really paying that much. So me and Angie were hooked up by then. Uh, we decided to move to San Diego and um, teach out of boxing gym, and then the money wasn't so good, and I got the opportunity to go back home to make um uh, five grand for a fight. So went back home, had a fight, had a win, got five grand. Uh, I've gone to go back to America and they've stopped me at the airport saying, where's your return ticket? I said, oh, I've got a return ticket, but it's, it's, it's in America. 
say, well, we're not going to let you on the flight until your re- producer returns to get to know that you're going to come home again. So oh, I don't, oh, what do I do? I said, well, maybe you can buy a ticket and then when you get to America, just refund it and get your money back. Oh, that sounds easy. All right, let's do that. How much is that? Four and a half grand. Ah, oh, I've got five. Uh, sure. One, one return ticket, please. Four and a half grand. So I get to LA. Wait, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. So you 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 go have this fight. You're by yourself. Yes. And you win five G's yes. U.S. Yes. Uh, no, Australian. Australian. And so someone stops you at the airport and says you need a return ticket. Yes. Before I can get on the plane to get flight back to America again. I would have told them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> but Gone then, to like the embassy and been like, I'm going fucking back. <laughs> and then they were like, it's four grand. Four and a half. You so all the money you just won. You're like, fuck it. Yes. I, I need to go home. Well, my wife was seven months pregnant. Oh, fuck, buddy. Yeah. So you got it. Fuck. Yeah. And then uh, we, we got a house in San Diego. We got a car. I got a full-time job. Um, everything in my life was in San Diego then. Uh, were you stressing the fuck out? You, you told that story like it was so like, oh, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Were, you, were you like stressed out? Well, I just thought when I got to LA, I just cashed the ticket and I get my money back. Uh. So I get to LA. Um, I get stopped at the immigration the usual, how long were we, uh, when was the last time we were here? Oh, I was here three weeks ago. How long were we here for? Oh, three months. Three months. You're not allowed to say for three months. Your visa says 90 days. That's three months, isn't it? So <laughs> you, you counted the days. 92. You're two days over your what visa. What a dick. Um, yeah. So this is 2002, just after 9-11. Uh. So they said one day over your visa is equivalent to 10 years over your visa. So you're going straight back to Australia again. I've just got for a 40-hour flight, by the way. Oh, God. So I was like, oh, I don't want to go here. So next minute I'm handcuffed. Did you say 40 hour flight? 14, 14. Oh, 14. Might as well be the same. So I got, I get handcuffed. I got three police either side of me. I get led through the airport in front of everyone in the airport. And then, um, I'm telling this story's I'm, blowing my mind. <laughs> One day yeah. over your visa is two. the equivalent. Two days is the equivalent of 10 years. Yeah. I, I would have immediately been matter. like that math doesn't add yeah. up for me. Well, nine 11, everyone was so on edge. And know? then they handcuffed you. Yeah. I got handcuffed. Were no. you talking shit? You don't seem like no, a guy who would no. talk shit. No, no, no. You were no, being was, super nice and court. Was, yeah. Just super, super. Just, I just wanted to get in. So they, they've handcuffed me take me into a room unhandcuffed me. And then uh, they give you a brown paper bag that had a stale ham and cheese sandwich, a green apple, and a popper. So every time I was hungry, I get one of these brown bags with the popper is, is a soda. Uh, with the straw where you pop into the box, Uh-oh, like <laughs> a juice box. Juice box. Uh-oh. Juice box. <laughs> You're like, what am I six years old? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Can I get a ribeye? I've been on a plane for two days. Yeah. <laughs> so I do. So my wife's in the waiting room. She's she's waiting for me to pick me up from the airport. And then um, they won't me- allow me to see her. So they got to send someone backwards and forwards to correspond. And then um, she drew, uh, drove three hours to come and pick me up from San Diego to LA. And then um, they said, I can't see her. And I said, oh, I need that ticket. Um, can, you, can you go back home and get that other ticket for me, please? And Because and, they're going to use that ticket, that four and a half grand ticket. So oh, you can't use that ticket. That's four and a half grand. Um, I got another ticket, but it's in my, it's at house. It's in my house in San Diego. Can I please get that ticket and use that one instead of this one? And then um, the guy wouldn't budge for a bit. And then after lots of uh, crying, lots of crying and pleading, please, please. That's my whole life in that ticket. Please don't, don't let me use it. So um, so Angie drove back in the car three hours to pick up the ticket, drove three hours again. So uh, so I get taken to the uh, waiting cell, a uh, waiting room, sorry. And then uh, after 10 hours, they said, oh, legally we have to move you every 10 hours. So they handcuffed me, lead me through the other side of the airport again. 
in front of everybody. And kids are grabbing their mom again, pointing at me once, once again. Going, oh, look, it's a terrorist. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then 10 hours pass once again. So, oh, we have to move you. So, handcuff. This time, it's the middle of the night. So, no one's in the airport. And I'm thinking, oh, thank God. This is, this is way better. But the only problem was now they've taken me outside, put me in the back of a police car. And then now we're driving and I see a big sign, East LA, East LA Jail. Oh. oh, no, this isn't good. <laughs> so, um... Uh, we'll get That's to the, fucked up. They took you to the worst possible place <laughs> yeah. imaginable. So get to is that the, arguably one of the worst <laughs> county jails? It, yeah, it was like a big fish tank. It was um, there wasn't bars. It was like a big thick yeah, purse picks with the little holes at the top, like a little mouse. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, got to the room. Um, I was the only one in my cell. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, I didn't get violated. <laughs> I think you would have been all right. <laughs> yeah. I'm dropping the soap, guys. <laughs> uh, so about after about five or six hours of the uh, jail, um, they've handcuffed me, put me back in the car. Now, now it's like nine in the morning, and it's rush hour. LAX uh. police handcuffed through the middle of the airport, and they take me straight to the gate. And like two hundred people waiting for the plane, and they put me on the plane first with all the police. And then they hand, uh, take off my handcuffs, give my passport back. And then I say, all right, you're banned from America for five years. Uh, and then they leave. And then everyone gets on the plane. And then everyone sees me and does the – tries to <laughs> – I was like – yeah, I hadn't showered in like four days by the stage. I was, I, I was making myself sick. And then uh, – so finally get back to Australia and I'm just cooked. I've, I haven't seen my wife. I've spent the last 28 hours on flights and airports and it just sucked. And I finally get back to the counter. I put the ticket on the table. Can I please get a refund for this ticket? And I said, oh, it's going to take about uh, 10 weeks for the process, the, the refund. So um, believe it's your bank account and we'll put that straight in your bank in about 10 weeks' time. So I've got no car, no wife, no accommodation, no nowhere to live. I just got my suitcase and $500. Oh, and, then, and then luckily um, – I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. That, that sucks. That's in the past now. Um, no, but then, being a U.S. citizen, yeah. it's like shitty. Yeah. Like, what a fucking terrible so thing. So my wife's seven months pregnant, so she sells our car, sells whatever little furniture we have. She buys, saves enough to buy a ticket. She flies to Australia, and then um, 21 years later, we've got three kids. We're happy. We've got a gym together. It just it was the perfect – even though it sucked at the time, it was the biggest blessing because as soon as I got back to Australia, um, fight office, Japan, K1, Super League, uh, yeah. just went crazy. And um uh, yeah, so if I had to say in America, I'd have been walking, working in a little boxing exercise gym and not having any fights because the Muay Thai over here doesn't seem to exist. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, even though it sucked, it was the biggest blessing that I could have. It's such a great story too for that, that concept of like the obstacle becomes the way, right? Yeah. That your big, your biggest letdowns become your, can, if you're open to it, can become the biggest opportunities of your life. Yeah. The worst type, worst part of your life can also be all a blessing. Yeah. So yeah, wow. that, that was my biggest then you, take from that experience. Then you blew up from there because you ten time, twelve time, uh, ten, ten time world champion now. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> now you still you tell your mom like, "There's another one. There's <laughs> yeah. another one." Start hanging. You in send her champagne, engraved <laughs> champagne bottles every time you win one to put on the mantle. Um. Yeah. And the, out of those ten, my my two biggest ones were uh, the ones I won in Bangkok. So to, to win a world title in Bangkok against a Thai at their sport like the biggest compliment you could probably get. So, Wow. And were you, you, you mentioned him earlier, was Ramon Deckers before your time? Uh, uh, he was just finishing. So he was, he had his last, 
last few fights um, for the K1. I think he fought Dwayne Ludwig for his, one of his last ones. And then um, I was on that card as well. And oh, so really? So got, got to see him in the in the hotel and hang out. And then he, he came to Australia uh, not long after to bring one of his fights to, to compete against Corbett. And then um, the promoter rang me saying, hey, look, uh, Decker and his guy can't train with us because Nathan's here. Um, is there any chance Raymond and his fighter can train at your gym for the week leading up to the – Sure. So Nixon, I hang out with Raymond every single day. Just um, we train and then we take him for lunch. Um, funny story. So we go to lunch and it's like, all right, Raymond, what can I get you? I'll have a beer. It's uh, 11, 11.30 in the morning. Yeah, but in Holland, it's uh, 8 o'clock at night, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like his style. <laughs> so I, I get him his beers, get him his every day, beer, 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 beer. So he guys has his fight. Um uh, then after the promotion, we go out in the town. So, hey, Raymond, I'll go get your beer. He goes, no, 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 no. Now that the fight's done, now we party. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get a double vodka on the rocks. Uh, do you want Coke or lemonade? Or? No, 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 on the rocks. I'm like, fuck, that's heavy, that's <laughs> heavy. And then, um, yeah, not long after, he passed away from a heart attack and a, and a riding his push bike in a park in Holland. So, oh, yeah, so devastating. I've, I've sent you his videos before. Ramon Decker's yeah. is like the the king, like Tyson of <laughs> of Muay Thai. He, he he was the first Westerner the, to really um, beat the ties at their own sport, and he was the one that inspired me, that showed me that we can beat the ties in Thailand. Yeah, and not only can we beat them, we can knock them out too. Just because they don't show any pain doesn't mean they're not feeling it. And then, right. So he inspired me to to be great. That is one thing I wanted to ask you about, actually. And then we're getting to you. We didn't forget about you. Yeah, Reese. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Stick with us, bro. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong, but people always ask me, you know, like, what's the difference between Dutch kickboxing and Muay Thai? I would say the Dutch started using a lot more, like, Western boxing, like, yes. big with the hands, where the Thais are mostly kicks, right? Yes. But your style, and you, you had never trained with the Dutch or anything, but yours is punch-heavy, too. Yes. Um, uh, so when... In Thailand, the, the punches don't score. You can land 10 punches and they'll do one body kick and then the body kick will win. Uh, and then the knees are higher again, so there, there's all different um, scoring system over there. Uh, and it's all betting too, so you have to uh, – and then leg kicks don't score either, so it's all above the waist. If you kick above the waist, you can throw 10 leg kicks and one body kick and the body kick will outpoint the leg kicks. I didn't realize the leg kicks don't count. Yeah, they don't either. count either because it takes more skill to kick to the body than it does to kick to the leg. Mm. So was it a risk for you being punch-heavy – uh, fighters like you and Ramon and being punch heavy meant like you had to knock them out, right? Because those punches aren't scoring, but yeah, if you can knock them but out. But then I found, I found the punches set up the kicks too because the, you'd punch them to the stage where they start uh, covering up and that would give you the opportunity to land the body, to the body and stuff as well and set other things up as well. So. Uh, and then um, pressure. The ties didn't like the, the constant pushing forward and um, pushing them against the ropes and they like the dictate. And when you change the tide of the fight and push them backwards, they're like... Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, has yeah. the influence of the Dutch style changed training in Thailand? Even like have the ties picked it up and take run with it? They got to work their hands a lot more. So, Still, yeah, uh, they're, they're getting a lot better with their hands. But uh, back in the old days, um, that's what helped me win my fights was my my boxing definitely got me over the line majority of the times. So. Yeah. And why do you think the Dutch became so fierce in like why did the Dutch pick up? It's such a weird. It's such yeah. a weird connection how the Dutch picked up on it and are some of the most feared. Oh, for such a small country too. They yeah. have so many superstars and majority of the world famous uh, uh, kickboxers are all from Dutch, uh, Holland. So it's insane just for 
the the champions to population ratio is insanity. Yeah, I don't know why that started either because the Dutch aren't really known for like martial say, arts, like, combat, or anything like like. Not that they're not good at it, but like stand out. But yeah, for some reason, kickboxing. Boxing, like boxing, you don't hear many Dutch world champion Dutch fighters, but the kickboxing majority of the Westerners are all from Holland. So, Is it true that Dutch Holland are, and France. And France is big too. They're yeah. super direct. Like their culture is very, um, like they call stuff out and then they don't know that they're calling stuff out. Like they might say something like, your outfit looks bad today. But it's just Dutch. Like it's, did you ever notice that with Dutch people? Uh, they're probably stoned. <laughs> <laughs> when I was fighting for Glory, you know, Glory had a bunch of the Dutch guys because uh, Core Hammers, you oh, know, yeah. was like uh, part owner of Glory and everything. And those guys would come to town. Like I remember there was a show here in Denver. And <clears throat> just like you said with Ramon, fight week. They were going to the casinos, drinking, smoking yeah. all week long. And you're like... To us, we're like, wait, how are you an athlete? These guys are chain smoking yeah. cigarettes. But really? Like, but their cardio was like amazing. You know, they don't get tired. Yeah. They're just used to it. And they were going out partying every night, like going to clubs. So the Dutch party, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was uh, very lucky to fight in Rotterdam the once. And then uh, the next day I went to Hol- uh, Amsterdam for two days. And then, uh, yeah, it was a de- <laughs> definitely a culture shock walking through the red light district, and getting invited to all these different clubs. <laughs> hey, you want sexual? You want to see sexual? Yes. I've been to Amsterdam a few yeah. times. <laughs> so have I, yeah. Amsterdam's a trip, dude. Yeah. And so, then, And then the sex shows are pretty, pretty, uh, uh, I don't know, they got a, a routine that's like, one, two, three, change. One, two, three, change. One, two, three. You get to see every position. In <laughs> That's got to be exhausting. <laughs> you imagine getting ready for your sex show that night. You're like, this is the third one this week. Yeah. I just don't feel like most people don't feel like going to work. Can you imagine if you were just like tired and you're like, I don't yeah. want to go to my sex show tonight. Yeah. This is going to suck. I remember going through the red light district and because I stayed there every time. Like the people don't realize the red light district isn't just like the sex stuff. That's where like a lot of the cool bars and like hotels. A lot of nice hotels. Yeah, I stayed there too. All the canals. And we would sit there at this one bar that like overlooked the all the glass booths in the street and we were like betting drinks like yeah. like oh this guy's going in for sure like, <laughs> and it was always like kind of who you'd expect the guys like looking around everywhere by themselves yeah. and like passing back and forth so we were betting and it was like i had the most fun playing that game because we ended up taking just shot after shot so, so in holland they got um all the workers work behind these glass uh and then You'll have one hot chick here, and then you'll have another chick here, and then you have this big fat lady eating a subway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll go with her. <laughs> Every single variety you could think of is all, but yeah, you just wouldn't. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, they it's have wild. like a union and everything. Like it's a legit job there, and yeah. it's good for the Dutch. Yeah. yeah, you know what I always wondered though is like, whose job is it to clean all those? You know, Ooh. there's some cleaning service like. That's even below being the prostitute. Like yeah. The one who has to clean it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think dwell on that for a bit. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> so, Reese, um, one FC, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Um, how, let's go back. So, how did you guys get connected? Did you start your career with John? Oh, no. No, so I, I got a bit of a like humble sort of beginning. Grew up on a small island, um, kind of. Introduce hey, the, Reese, pull this up a little. Uh, up a little bit. There you go. That, that's better. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, all right. We're on. Yeah, this is probably my second podcast. I've ever done. Oh, ah, there, there we go. go. There you <laughs> go. You're doing great. Oh, it was uh, So small island. Yeah, it's so a small small island. Um, got shown bits and pieces from just travelers, yachties, whatever. Um, and what island was it? Uh, Christmas Island. 
Christmas Island. Yeah. Is Christmas a big deal on Christmas Island? Yeah, it's, a, it's the running joke. <laughs> Don't we have a, do we have a military base there? Mm. We have a military base everywhere, Chris. I thought Christmas Island, for some reason, I've heard of Christmas Chris, Island. Christmas Island is famous for the crabs. Is it? So is Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. That was good. He was that ready was for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so Christmas Island. So tell us about Christmas Island. I had never heard of it until you walked in this room. Yeah, it's like two seasons, hot and cold. Oh, <laughs> rain, rain and, and hot. And, um, How do you pull it up? Yeah, I want to see where this is at. It's, it's more close to um, Indonesia than it is um, Australia. And it's there still, it is right up there. It's still Australian territory, though? Yeah, yeah. So Australian. They don't let me walk out with the flag because it's not a like national flag or something. It's quite annoying. Huh. Yeah, there it is, is way up there. Oh, wow. Okay. And then the funny story, my mum was born on the same island. Really? Wow. Yeah, so my, my my grandfather was working in the mines over there, and then, yeah, my, my mother was born, and she was born on Christmas Island, and then just by, by chance, one, yeah. day, one day we were chatting, and Christmas Island, Christmas Island, oh, my mom, oh, and then, yeah, so wow, we had a wild. connection from there. Wild. Because what's the population there? Uh, like, roughly? When I left, I think there was like 900. Oh, so everybody people. knows everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 900 people? Uh-huh. 100. I thought you meant 900,000. Oh, no. There's <laughs> like 10 kids to a class. 900 people total. Yep. There's more people in this office park. Yeah, yeah look. Yeah. That's wild, bro. 1,400 as of 2010. Yeah. Holy shit. When did you, when did you leave? Uh, it would have been 2008. And how old were you in 2008? Uh, just turned 17. Were you ready to get the fuck out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, all, all my buddies had uh, crashed cars. <laughs> I was like, well, i got to get off. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, I mean, and, I, eventually you just, like, start finding trouble because you get bored, right? Yeah, it's like a, you got, who was it? The mines would have, like, fly in, fly out, whatever, and then at the old airport. Key, thank you. Joyride. Stealing planes and shit. Yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> when my buddies got into a really, really bad car crash, I was like, yeah, we, we got to go. So, do people do is like is like alcoholism and drug use and oh well, it's all um, uh, what's it tax free? It's all Boozers. duty duty free. So, oh. man, when we were drinking, we're drinking the double blacks vodka, like ten bucks. That's awesome. Yeah, it was wild. That's awesome. So you go over, so you, you grow up there, you move when you're 17 by yourself or with your family? Uh, with the family. Okay. So we, we go from a, a small island to a country town. So oh. polar opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. And that's in Queensland that you yep. moved to? Okay. Yep. And so you were kind of training a little bit on Christmas Island, just like here and there. Yeah, like, like YouTube, self-taught sort of thing. When I moved over, oh man, I ran this bill on my grandparents' internet. You know, like old, they don't have the big gigabyte thing. It was like eight grand. I was like, all YouTube, all <laughs> clean. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh, I'm learning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was so bad. Apparently, they, uh, the warnings that I was over their uh, amounts was coming up in, in their account, but not mine. So I was on it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what was it? My sound keeps going out in this. Um, oh, where was I going with that? So did you get in a lot of fights and stuff growing up or just uh, martial know, arts was? Never been in a street fight to this day. Really? Yeah. Same with my brother. We were just talking really? about that the other day. Yeah, my brother's Never been in a street fight? My brother's never been in a fight outside of like they ring your cage. 
Wow. Except by me kicking the shit out of them with kids. <laughs> Prove it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's so. different than how I grew up. We fought every day in high school and in university. It was constant every weekend. There was a fight. Yeah, that's what I grew up doing too. That's my fa- still my favorite thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Getting fights on the street. Yeah. Shout out Nate Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys link up? Uh, so I, when I moved, um, I thought, you know, screw this. I want to do this full time. Um, moved into my mate's shed. And I was training at his gym. So that was just like over the, over the mountain, like literally over the, over the hill. Um, I come in in the morning sort of thing. Um, was training mornings and then I was like, oh, I just got stuck doing, doing my own thing. It, it ran its course and, uh, we got stuck talking at a, at a fight show and I was like, well, I'm kind of looking for. You were already a black belt at stage and already fighting for one championship. And- yeah. I was kind of knew what I was looking for and, and found it and more. It's, when um, you say black belt, what were you a black belt in? Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, okay. Oh, no way. Who'd yeah. you get your black belt under? Uh, Vincent Perry and, um, he comes from the John Wheels Association. So um, Higgin Machado. Oh, okay. Much. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, he was at, at his um, seminar. He, he, he was there and pretty much gave it to me. And I was like, so nice. I've heard of him in Beverly Hills for a while. Yeah, yeah Higgin's right. everywhere. He's the man. So you're already a black belt. You go to him. And, and so John gives you the sort of now the stand-up skill to accompany the. I've never had pads. So my first nine fights, I've got a shit record and it's, 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 it's a shit record because I just never really got looked after. It's like, hey, he's the champ at the moment. We're going to fight him. Yeah. 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 I'll give it a go. Like, mean, meaning no like, no, like uh, bout management. No, no. Kind of what you, like, yeah. Not um, nurtured. Yeah. I've had the most unnurtured career and it shows I appreciate shit record, but fight me and- Fuck, on a bad night, it's a shit night for you. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, ah, you know, I just got to run with it. Yeah. But um, yeah, in my first 12 fights, I probably had no sparring at all. Wow. Yeah. Just showing up. Just, let's Dude, get fit. Let's grapple, 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 grapple. Yeah. And then from there, I started dabbling, but no pads. No pads, no pads. And then last, what, year and a bit? The most pads I've had in my whole life. It's I mean, two years now. And then the last two fights, one by stoppage. And then... Uh, stoppage the, on the feet, punching. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the guy's foot blew up. He kicked me, but... The, the, the jump, jump Chinese guy before that. The Chinese guy before that dropped me with a huge shot, bounced back and took his back and choked him. Nice. But, um, yeah, it's all up and up from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's go. Now you're piecing them together, you know, like, yeah, you got the jujitsu and then there's nobody better to be training with striking. Yeah. <laughs> last, and then uh, Mr. Chetri, he, um, he uh, after his last fight, went to say hello. He said, what did you do to Reese? He's a jiu-jitsu guy and he's winning, he's winning by striking. This is insane. This is so cool. It's so good to see that uh, elevation of um, Reese's career. This is really, really exciting. And now, you know, he's number four. He's going to fight number two. So yeah. the next fight's for the world title. So... Yeah, so One FC is massive, right? I think they have higher viewership than the UFC because they're worldwide. They're yeah, huge. to hear that it's sold out. Yeah, so that's wild. Out within the first few days. Yeah, wow. And, uh, that's where Demetrius Johnson went. Oh, okay. So he's the is he still the champion for them or? Did yeah, he's, so he's, he's defending. The main. He's okay. the main. Yep. And, so uh, real quick plug, if you want to see the fight sold out in Denver, but you can get you can watch it online. Amazon Prime. Maddie yeah. will put the link in the description. Yeah, yeah Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. I, uh, mm. 
I forget what their viewership is, but I saw the numbers one time, and it's like because they're through Russia, Asia, like wow. everything. They actually have more. Viewers. Do fighters make good money or equivalent way money? Way more money. Way more. That's I awesome. mean the big good ones, for you, right? bro. Yeah, I, I, I made the most money fighting for them. I, I, I was lucky to fight for Bellator for a couple of years and um, other promotions, but ones looked after me the most. Um, and just, uh, just I've, I got nothing bad to say. They looked after me so well. Um, I'm so happy and I'm still lucky to be part of them and um, they, they recently flew me to Singapore to be on the, the, the Asian version of The Apprentice so um, yeah, it's, nice. really, it's really cool yeah, that's dope <laughs> I, I was just a special guest to take the contestants through a challenge so they, they flew me over to take the contestants and then uh, the, the first day we did it uh, it rained so they, they said oh we're going to cancel the shoot and then uh, they flew me back to Australia again so I got to Australia went to pick my bag up I get a beep beep on my phone and uh, Mr. Chashu's like, uh, uh, we still want to shoot that scene. Can you come back to Singapore next week? It's like, ah. <laughs> so, yeah, come. And then, and then UFC was in Perth that, that same week as well. So I uh, flew to Singapore, flew back in, went to Perth, come back again, flew to Singapore for another 36 hours, flew back in. So I ended up doing 42 hours of flying in 12 days. Wow. So with six different planes. So Chatri, uh, what's his last name? Uh Chetri, uh, si, si Tong. Tong. Si yeah. Tong. So he's the so, owner of the uh, Sijitong. That's the part of the where they take the gym's name and use as the last name. Yeah. Mm. So, so Chatri, I believe, is from New York, right? Where I don't know about from, from, but grew up in New York or something. I heard a. Uh, is this the owner owner of one? Grew, yeah. grew up in Thailand and got the opportunity to go to Harvard. Oh, okay. He's a billionaire. I think he owns Air Asia, right? Oh, I don't know. I, I thought know. something like that. Uh, Maybe these are all like yeah, rumors geez. or myths, but um, he's a billionaire. Ooh. And uh, I've heard nothing but great things about him, honestly. I've never met him or anything, but, um, yeah, he's done a lot of cool things. So, Chris, with one, it's kind of like – I'm listening. I'm pulling you, his name up. I'm interested. If you think about um, kind of like Pride where they they basically put on fan-friendly fights and they make their own rule set depending <laughs> on the fight, right? So they'll have, you know, strikes on the ground. Like you can kick grounded opponents. Um, they'll do no gloves. They'll do gloves. Like well, it's – uh, Demetrius and Marias, uh, that's how Marias beat Demetrius the first time was uh, grounded knee yeah. into the head and stopping him in the second, I think it was. And then when they rematched, and then Demetrius won by a flying knee flying to his knee. head. Yeah. So they both won by knees, and now this is the trilogy. I so. still think he's probably the best MMA fighter of all time. Oh, big time. He doesn't get enough credit. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, he's amazing. Like, technically, he's great everywhere. And it's just, it's just sad that he's smaller i guess because people are like uh you know if he was a heavyweight and fought like that it would be yeah. and I think I, only recently um israel only gave him a shout out a couple mm. of days ago saying did everyone forget about demetrius we're talking about power for pound did everyone forget about demetrius because he's got to be on there in the conversation you can't yeah. forget about him where everything he's done yeah and so one thing about one so demetrius one of his fights not too long ago uh fought rotong right half, they did half rules yeah half rules so what they did was rotong's like a muay thai champion First round was only Muay Thai. Second round was MMA. MMA, right? yeah. And then third round. Muay Thai. Muay Thai again. And then third round, MMA, uh, fourth round, MMA. So Muay Thai, MMA, Muay Thai, MMA. That's, so, that's kind of sick. It's cool. They just make their own rule set based yeah. on like what would be awesome. And yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. And, and then the submission grappling only started last year. Last yeah. Year, last year. Yeah, because so, yeah, right. Gordon signed with them, right? Uh, uh, I don't think he's competed, uh, but I know he. No. They, they did sign him, and they signed DeBass as well. And DeBass, yeah. yeah. I bet Gordon's contract is huge, right? Didn't he sign with Flo for a meme or something? Yeah, I don't I think know. It was with, I think it was a different promotion. 
Huh. I think it was Eddie Alvarez when he went over there was saying that he left the UFC. I forget what he was making. It was like 900000 a fight. Yeah. Where with the UFC, he was making like two. Yeah. So they. Yeah, they'll pay him bank. Yeah, some of those guys are making That's some dope. money. Good. And I see Sage Northcutt's on this card. He hasn't fought since Cosmo, right? Cosmo, yeah. Cosmo hit him with that one punch. And I think he's face fractured him five. Fuck. Right. Is the one where he like leg sweeped him and caught him? Yeah. Is that the fight you're talking about? Yeah, oh. hit him with that that crazy overhand right. But didn't he didn't he like no, sweep his a, leg and that was a different guy, Cosmo. Oh, because you fought Cosmo uh, three a few times, times three, three times. Yeah? yeah, I won the first one, then lost the the second two. So, is, is he but the fight on? you're talking about is where Sage's face got like caved in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I broke a bunch of bones. <laughs> I don't know who set that fight up because that was a terrible fight for him I, to I, take. I think it was Cosmo's first MMA fight too. So technically, it was Sage's. Sage was the favorite. And then, um, yeah, Cosmo hit him with that crazy punch. And but Sage is mostly a striker, so I was like, man, what are they? It would be different if Sage was like more of a wrestler. Yep. He uh, he trained with us for a little bit out here, and then uh, I don't know where he's at now, but yeah, he's on the show. He's he's very exciting that to be part of. Um, oh, he's on this. He's on this weekend's card. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Or what next weekend? Or my my fault. Next weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Demetrius Johnson's on this one. I think I'm going to be able to get his tickets. Actually. Nope. <laughs> I was talking this morning. Yeah, Mikey Musumesi, I always mess his name up, but he's an amazing grappler. So that one's got to be... He's my buddy. We're, 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 we're friends. He's this a, is a stacked he, card, he, huh, yeah, boys? Yeah, such a stacked. <laughs> and then um, Stan Fairtex, uh, she's a super-duper-duper star. She's, uh, she does Champ, a, Champ, wasn't she? She does a little dance before she walks out, and the crowd just go crazy every time she makes an appearance. Yeah, so, such, uh, you know, I, I've never... I've never been able to get any leeway with them. I've tried so many times to get with one because I was like, man, I'll fight any of the rules. Like if you guys do bare knuckle, I'll do it. If you do MMA, the Muay Thai, like all of it. Have you reached out to them direct? Yeah. Um, what's his name? Because I hate managers. <laughs> who's the uh, Who's the matchmaker again? Demetrius's coach. Uh, oh, Matt Hume. Matt Hume. Yeah. Yep. And he's just like, all right, thanks. We'll let you know. <laughs> um, yeah, Ang La. He's he's fun to watch. Burma. That's where he's from. Not he looks mind. like a beast. Yeah, he was a two division champion. So, right? so Angla's equivalent to Elvis. Is um, he? In they, ha they have a statue of him in in the, their country, and and he can't walk down the street. He gets wow. so loved, like he gets so loved, mobbed. Wow. He, he's the guy that can show that you coming from poverty that you can become a, a hero. He, and, and he's such. How a big guy. is he? Where is he? What does he fight? Middleweight, which is two, one eighty five. Uh, I think so. Unless are their weight classes different? Yeah, the up one, so... 205? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ongla, I'm going to try to get him in here, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, him and I talk all the time. He's we're on this little group messaging thing forever. Um, great dude. Yeah, really nice. Pumped to watch him fight, too. Hopefully, we can get out there. So, are you guys... Are you guys... I want to see this kick in the face, bicycle kick twice in the face. Yeah. Uh, are you guys going to get to come to Chris's fight this weekend? Uh, hopefully, yes. Oh, awesome. We're going we're gonna to try anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to call him after this, see if hey. we can get you guys some tickets. Um, so tell me about your opponent. Maddie. can you go back to that card? Yeah, I fought him in 2018 or 19. I was in the Grand Prix. Um, oh, they okay. had a flyweight Grand Prix that Demetrius ended up winning. Um, I fought him in Japan, so that was cool. How did, how did that go? Uh, it went his way decision. Decision? Yeah. If you click on him, Maddie, will it show stats for the fight? Sure, either one, yeah. So he's from Kazakhstan? Yeah, ex-world champ too. He, he's beat Maras. Okay, I think I've seen him fight before. 
the, the names all blur together sometimes for me. I know yeah. that sounds horrible, but there's a lot of fighters, a lot of a lot of stuff to follow. These are like pretty big win streak. It's all your decisions. And he's more of a ground guy or striker. He's kind of well-rounded, scrappy. Yeah, he's like the Greco kind of stand-up. Just throws. Oh, okay. oh, and he's out of Tiger Muay Thai now. Yeah, I think so. How tall are you? Because you got a quite a bit taller than five four. Yeah, I'm five six. Five six. Okay. And that's the. Are you the second fight of the night? Yes. Nice. And people always worry about where they are on the card, and I'm like, man, if I get paid the same, like, yeah, it that's how matter. I'm feeling. I'll fight before the crowd gets there. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, is that? Uh, that, was, that was the last one. <clears throat> he, got, he, he wouldn't come out for the third. They finished the second. They're going back to the stools, and then we've gone to start the third, and the referee waved it off. Yeah, he couldn't get off his stool. Yeah, he sat down on the ground. And so, Reese, have you had any major injuries? Not to not to bring any like jinxes here. Uh, I broke my thumb on that one. Your thumb? Oh, yeah, got, got a nice little scar now. Oh, did you have to have surgery on it? Yeah, I got a nice plate plate in there. And then, what's your stitch count now? I know you keep uh, track of how many stitches you've had. <laughs> Three fifty. 350 Three, stitches. Yeah, 350, perfect. 350, perfect. <laughs> he had a – did somebody make that photo for you? Somebody, like, yeah. did a map of, like, stitches where yeah, he's if had you do, them? If you do John Wayne Pye's stitches, that'll show a superimposed of um, – if I – if a yeah, hypothetical of had them all at once. We were just – I was showing them the video yesterday of the side of your head cut. You're yeah. making it top. <laughs> W-A-Y-N-E. P-A-R-R. Stitches. You know how to spell stitches? I've made a mistake. Can I run to the toilet? Yeah. Um, so you'll go straight through, kind of towards the front door, and then make a left. I'll show you. I'll show you. Look at this photo. The first one on the left. See that, Miller? Man, these drinks are delicious. <laughs> hey, we got more. Yes. What? Sages? Oh, okay. He's with Alpha Male. Actually, I think he's been there for a while. I think so too. So you had hip surgery, hip replacement. Hip replacement. How's that going now? Uh, really good. Is uh, it? Uh, I got to the stage where I, I couldn't barely walk, and then uh, every because it was bone on bones. So every time the bones were touching, my leg would just give out. Oh. And then um, thinking, not never be able to fight again, never be able to exercise or train, or just the idea of walking was agony. And then got the replacement, and then uh, I was back in the cage nine months later fighting. Oh, so you fought since? I thought I you got two more, after retirement. Two, two more fights have won since I got the uh, surgery. And you're officially retired, or is that? Uh, so, so I'm on um, 149 fights, and my Muay Thai is 99 wins. I saw that. So yeah. if I get one more fight and one more win, not only do I get 100, but I also get 150. So my OCD would be uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would get me too. I'd be like, oh, I gotta do one more. Like, yeah, who stops on 149? Yeah, it's, it's just um, unless yeah. you're Mayweather, right? Did he, <laughs> did he stop at 49, or did he get? Connor was his 50, I think, technically. Maybe, yeah, right? maybe. Yeah. So so there's a chance. There's a chance. What does your wife think? Is she Oh, uh, she 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 loves it. She wants me, she likes me fighting. Oh, she does? She's not like, all right, you're done. Like I don't know. Uh one time I had my eye socket fractured in two different places. And then um during the recovery, I'm thinking to myself, Oh, I think I'm done. And then I told her, and she goes, You're not done. We, we need the money. We got, <laughs> we got kids. We got bills. You have to go back out. As soon as you're ready, you're out there again fighting. So you're the boss. <laughs> like, That's what I like to hear. That's better than her trying to convince you to stop. <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's definitely encouraging. She um, Yeah, she loves it. 
she she encouraged me to live my dreams. Uh, one time when I was fighting a gentleman called Yotsingle, yeah, um, he'd already beaten me twice, and then the fight got matched. And then one night at dinner, she goes, "You know what? I think you should go back to Thailand and and spend the next four weeks in the lead up for this camp. I can run the gym. I don't need you here. You go to Thailand." Sure. She goes, yeah, I'll take care of the kids. I'll take care of the gym. I'll take care of the business. You need to win this fight for us. So I want you to go to Thailand. And then, um, yeah, and then I spent, I ended up um, contacting Sanchai, went training with Sanchai for four weeks. And then uh, after the four weeks, I thought, oh, hey, Sanchai, is it, is it okay if I bring you a pad holder to Australia so you help me in the corner? He goes, my pad holder? What about me? Yeah. I love Australia. Uh, you want to come to Australia? I love Australia. I'd love to come. Um, Sure. So next minute, I'm buying a ticket for Sanchai. We fly to Australia. Sanchai staying in my house. Oh, that's um, awesome. He, he, we'd, we'd train in the nighttime. We'd have a shower. And then he'd come upstairs in his pajamas <laughs> and he'd sit on the couch watching telly. This is like, what's going on? I've got Sanchai sitting on my couch. This is insane. He seems like the coolest guy coolest too. Coolest guy. Like, the coolest guy. He's, he's on like this big, but he's got his little jacket and his glasses and he, and he knows he's the man too. So when he, he's got a little strut and he's, he's just, um, and then when, when I fought, um, I just wanted to win so bad to to not make him embarrassed. Sanchai, I got a I got a win for you, not just for me, but you're Sanchai. And then luckily, um, in a very close fight, I ended up um, finally getting the one over Yotsinglai. So I beat my my nemesis. Yeah, because you guys did you guys fight in the finals for the contender yeah, Asia three times. So he beat me the first time. I'm on points. Uh, he dro- he dropped me, but I ended up going the decision. The second time, he dropped me another twice. Uh, on the contender final, and I uh, went to the decision, and then uh, the third time, I'm thinking, oh, I don't really want to fight him because I know how much pain and, and everything. But then I got offered uh, forty grand. It's like, oh, forty grand. I've never made forty grand before. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as I was walking to the ring, thinking, oh, this is gonna hurt so bad, but at least I'm gonna make money, so it's gonna be okay. <laughs> that justifies it in the pain, pain to money ratio when the money ratio. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then we had a cracker of a fight and getting the, getting the win. So. It's definitely my highest achievement in the sport to, to beat to beat him. That one is yeah, because Bukow too. You, I mean, you Bukow. fought all the yeah Bukow twice. Yeah, Bukow, The first time was in Japan, and the second time we fought in Jamaica. Out of all the countries, we fought really? in Jamaica, <laughs> it was, it was, and then they put a a ring on the uh, next to the beach. So the same deal out in the park. All the um, they they set up the stadium for five thousand people, and because it was in Jamaica, um, the locals couldn't afford tickets to come to the show. And then um, nobody came. So they, they, <laughs> they had uh, 10 world title fights, the greatest versus the greatest. And they, I think the promoter spent half a million on the production. And, oh. then, uh, and then about 100 people came. Oh, Jesus. So they lost, they lost half a milli. Did you get paid? I got paid. It took like three months to get paid. But yeah. um, eventually it got, got some money. I've heard like some of the Caribbean islands, like I've had some friends go there and fight and a lot of them like haven't been paid <laughs> and stuff like that. Like things like that happen where nobody comes because yeah, they go to a, a country where it's very poor, but yeah. then they expect all these people to come. So that one, what promotion was that? It wasn't like Bodog or something, was no, it? No, it was called um, Champion of Champions. Champion of Champions. Yeah, they end up doing another four or five shows all around the world and then um, every single show they put a couple of posts on Facebook thinking they were going to attract all these people and no one would come. So, yeah, needless to say, the the, the investors were too um, business savvy. They made a program for hospitals. Uh. So, and so the hospitals, so they had plenty of coin and they loved the sport and they really wanted to push it to the next level. And every show was like amazing, like um, matchmaking wise, but they just couldn't had the idea of how to generate the um, crowd. 
Yeah, there was a uh, a lot of people. I can't remember the name of it. There was an event here a really long time ago um, that had like Babalu fought, Jeremy Horn, um, Shogun, like Trevor Prangley, all these like big name guys. They fought in a one night tournament, Forrest Griffin before the UFC. Yep. And um, it was at the big arena here, and there was, yeah, like 200 people came. But like all these guys became like legends, <laughs> and it was a one night tournament. So they had to fight, I think it was three or four times to win it. And I, I want to say it was, was it Bob? I think Bobaloo won it. Oh, nice. But beat Shogun, um, Jeremy Horn, and I think Forrest Griffin in one night. Yeah. It's so funny yeah. when you go back and like, People don't realize until later, like, that's a piece of history. Yeah. And if you're on the undercard, you're probably making two grand or three. If you win, you get the big jackpot. But if you're on the undercard and you don't get the, the big one, yeah, you're fighting for scraps. And yeah. it's so funny. So um, speaking of money, when you see uh, the guys in the UFC and you see the, the prize money, and then you hear all the people that are not in the sport, oh, this is ridiculous. These guys are making peanuts. They're only making half a million dollars a fight. And you think, fucking half a million. Oh, yeah. What I, I swim across the ocean for half a million dollars. Yeah, we, we're making a thousand, fifteen hundred, maybe five thousand if you're on a big show. Yeah. So the idea of making a hundred thousand in one fight, that's like, that's the, the dream. I know. I remember my first UFC fight, My it was eight and eight, eight thousand to show, eight thousand to win. And I won, and I was like, getting a $16,000 check. I was like, this is the most money yeah. I've ever had. Like, <laughs> I remember being so proud going to the bank to deposit it. And like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Now times have changed. I, I like that. It's getting bigger and bigger for guys because fighters deserve it. You know I mean? Oh, you're putting your sure. body on the line. Everybody else, every other sport makes millions. Um, they did the prize money for Israel's last fight. I think he made 3.1 or something for, for, for his last fight. Good, yeah, that's a good day. That's, that's a huge payday. That's for, for UFC, that's pretty, pretty Yeah, it's massive. Did massive. you get paid any bonuses? Did I? Yeah, did you make any bonuses? Uh, one. One? That was, um, I fought Joe Riggs. It was, a, it was all the knees. <laughs> I ended up, uh, I hit him with a jab, and it like, I don't know what happened. He kind of like shelled up. So I ended up clinching him, and I hit him with like 10 knees just back to back and like broke his arm and his orbital went down it was like 20 I think 25 seconds so i got the bonus on that one oh, nice. and that was cool because you don't find out till later hey i'm out like partying and yeah. stuff already and i get a text and it's like you got the bonus i'm like yes yeah. an extra 50 grand yeah. <laughs> make mine a double yeah right? <laughs> there's some of those guys that hit those doubles man an extra 100 grand that you weren't even expecting it's you know the taxes and stuff suck once you realize like how much of that you get you're like oh wait i mean yeah. it's still better than nothing but pay everybody out you know your coaches get a chunk of it and this and that but still i, I can't complain yeah it's really exciting now one championship you're doing the bonuses of all say 50 50 grand so are they oh okay it's awesome really cool. Really cool. now does one fc are they doing do they do flat pay or is it show and win uh with me show and win show and win yeah for the muay thai i think it's flat for, for mine i never I, I just got the flat rate was it like that for boxing for you too uh yes Cause I'm new to that a little bit. Um, like bare knuckle does flat, no win, nothing like, which is kind of nice because you know exactly what you're making. Yes. I mean, there's been times I've gone into fights and you're like, well, if I win, yeah, you know, I get a hundred. Yeah. I lose, I get fifty. Yeah, because my whole career's been Muay Thai, and then when I first time I heard about MMA, where it's like 50, 50 uh, win and lose, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> Uh, I think they thought it would incentivize guys to fight harder, but I mean, like, have you ever fought before? My incentive is to not get my ass kicked. So if that's not enough for you, I don't know. 
the flat pay, I think, is a lot more, like I said, it, it, you know what you're going to walk away with, which yeah. is nice because that anybody listening, you know, if you ever imagine going to work and your boss is like, all right, this month we're only paying you half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though you were planning on this much, it, it sucks. I, I hope they kind of do away with it and like the flat pay yeah. and then bonuses. Keep the bonuses coming. And I've never had, I've never been in that situation where I've got that. I was always, always being flat, so I've always guaranteed. I know this is coming in, so I know what bills I have to pay when it does. But again, you only get half, and it's like oh. and a heart, and a broken heart. Yeah, like, oh. and yeah. a loss, and a loss. And a, yeah, <laughs> it's like a double fuck. You, know? you lose, <laughs> and you get half your pay. Need some dirt. <laughs> yeah. Anybody want to spit on me on the <laughs> way out too? <laughs> so uh, with one, are they doing fight of the night, submission of the night? Knockout of the night or no, performance? So just, they're just doing bonus. like performance, but it's not guaranteed how many. It's under CEO discretion. Oh, so it could be more than three. It could be. Okay. So Jake Haggerty, yeah. he just got paid double. Double, got double, double, knockout, double, double yeah. bonus. He got 100 grand instead of 50. Wow. And yeah. who, who else got um, 100? Liam, Liam Harrison Liam as Harrison. well. Oh, he yeah. got dropped twice and then come back and drop his opponent three, three times, times, all in the same round. One in the first round, got knocked down twice. Pretty much done, and then somehow rather got up, got up, and then drops the tie three times. To it's like two minutes, really. I'm gonna have to look. That. And was and that a tough opponent too? Wasn't it? Give yeah, me no, it, it was. It was, yeah, it, was a, it was a killer. Really? Was that in one? One. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Okay. And can you rewatch him on Amazon? Uh, I think they. Yeah. I have I to go back. So. I love watching Liam fight. I, pretty much all on YouTube too. Oh, their their app. Their app. One. Oh, they have an app. They okay. Have an app. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Which a lot of stuff live on their YouTube channel and their, their app as well. Oh, I'm gonna have to look that up. It's definitely it's 100 percent on YouTube. I know it's on YouTube. Oh, okay, and it's free. Yeah, I'll take, I like free. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get out of here soon. I know you guys are jet lagged and everything. I want to ask what's what's kind of like the worst injury you've had. Uh, I always ask people that because some of them have some. The eye socket ones. was probably one of the worst. The ice socket, I was in hospital. I had the fight. Uh, so I fought in Melbourne, which is a, uh, a two-hour flight from where I live. Ice socket broken, straight to hospital. Spend four nights in hospital with the doctors. Um, I'm in an urine if they're going to do surgery and not to put a sheath in my under my ice socket. And I ended up not doing surgery. But uh, the only thing was I wasn't allowed to fly home. So the pressure. I, yeah, yeah, the pressures. I had to get my mum to drive me 24 hours back home again to get um, – so that, that sucked. And then the healing was, took months. Um, yeah, the rest, the rest is just superficial stitches and stuff. They down a couple of days and take the stitches out. That's not too bad. But the ice socket really, that, that was, uh, because it broke in two places. Every time I look, turn my eye, the, the eye would scratch the, the oh. <laughs> oh, it was so painful. It was crazy pain. Yeah. Orbitals can be like career ending too for some oh, people, definitely. you know? Ugh. Yeah. No, no leg breaks, anything like that. Uh, no. I had, you know, the ribs and knuckles and everything else, but um, nothing, the, uh, nothing too bad. Yeah. I was just thinking of this because, like I said, I was talking to Weidman the other day and, um, you know, you're the Muay Thai expert. Because, like, are those calf kicks, they call them calf kicks, the really low leg kicks, are those very popular in Muay Thai? No, they're non-existent. I didn't even hear, hear of them until they've only just started getting popular the last two, three years maybe. Yeah. But before that. Uh, I got leg kick, my last one, uh, as calf kick for the first time. Um, yeah, they're, they're quite painful. Yeah, <laughs> they suck. Yeah, um, that's all I really throw anymore. Like for years now, and nobody seems to know how to defend them very well. And I was going to ask your opinion why you think so many legs. Not that it's a ton, yeah. but there's been quite a few leg breaks lately. And oh, for sure. I know. I asked Boss Root in that, and he had an opinion on it. And 
I didn't know if you had any say on why you think some of these uh, guys are snapping. So Edward Fulian got me in the first 30 seconds of the first round. And then I had to try and do the poker face. Went the three-round distance. And then uh, I pretty much went from the cage straight to the ambulance into the hospital because I thought my calf was broken. I thought my shin was broken. Uh, I spent the night in the hospital. Uh, not the night. Uh, pretty much the, the, missed the show because I was in the waiting room. And then um, did the x-ray, no break. I went to the hotel, went to bed, woke up the next day and walked to the toilet. And then the pain was gone. And it's like, oh. I was spending all night in the hospital thinking I got a broken leg. And the next day the, the, the nerve came back again. It was that dead nerve or yeah, whatever. That it happened was to, so strange. That's happened to a few guys too. I think it happened to Cejudo. Like you see their leg go out and it's like limp. and then Chandler. Yeah, Chandler. Yeah. The, the floppy foot. Yeah. Oh, what's, God. What's Bass's, what's, what's his theory? So Boss's theory was that, um, what do you say? Like, we don't have a. I don't know why I'm looking around for a ruler. <laughs> he said, think of the shin bone like a ruler where, you know, you got the sharp edge and then the flat and guys are smacking with that flat end where it would be. I'm not, I'm not describing this right. Sorry, boss. If you're listening <laughs> to this or he's like, it's like putting a ruler on the end of the table and like smacking it. Like it's going to snap that and like throwing kicks with their legs straight, like locked out so that there's no, they flex. yeah, there's nowhere for your leg to go. I don't know. He had a, He's done some videos about it. I'll have to send it to you. Mm, it breaks it down a little bit more. And then just the way guys are positioning it so they're not setting it up and they're throwing straight their shin to the shin bone instead of hitting, like, the inside of the leg. Edward stopped um, Alvarez with the calf kicks, didn't he? Dropped him. Dropped him. Yeah. Yeah, they suck. Yeah, He's yeah. a big kicker. Yeah, yep. Big kicker. Yeah, well, let's wrap this up so you guys can get hey, out of here and get hey. some rest. We'll get you guys some um, fits order to take if you want. Just a, an appreciation for having us on. This is so cool. Come all the way from Australia and then got to get, get uh, to come on the show. This is amazing. This no, is, I'm pumped. Hey, yeah, the last I've thing I thought I was, I'd be doing. Really? Thank you. Yeah. Hey, you've got to get used to the mic. You're going to be a champion, <laughs> eh? No. Hey, I can't thank you guys enough. I know, you, like you said, you're jet lag, coming all the way from Australia. I've watched you forever. I've hey. followed you forever. Massive fan of yours. And Reese, now I'm a fan of yours, hey, too. Hey. I'm hoping we're going to be at your fight. So I'm, surprised, I'm supposed to figure out these tickets, hopefully, today. Um, and then, yeah, if you guys, I'll set you up a party after hey. if you want. Um, if you come out to Bare Knuckle, I'm having an after party at Tom's Watch Bar. So Ooh, uh, yeah, we'll have to get you out on the town. <laughs> food. food. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you food. Um, but anything I can do for you guys while you're here, too, let me know. Um, I grew up here, so, I mean, we got everything. I'll show you guys our gym and stuff, too. You're welcome to use it anytime you need. We've got cold tubs and all that. So, again, thank you, guys. And... Where can people find you? So, uh, John Wayne Pa on Instagram. Um, yes, and then Reese Lightning. Reese Lightning. Yeah, Reese yes. Lightning ninety one. <laughs> like, yeah, right. What's the walkout song gonna be? Uh, Sticky Fingers, Land of Pleasure. There we go. The bad boys. All right. Well, hey, thank you guys again. That's the name of my porn clip. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a comment in there. <laughs> Sticky fingers. All right. Make sure you like and subscribe. Leave us a comment. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us.